love how the Lord works. So we sang a song that says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And I even prayed it out a minute ago, but come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God's what our heart longs for. And too often we sing songs and we don't mean what we're singing. But what we're singing really is a prayer saying, Jesus, we want your presence to show up. I'm not sure. But we sing stuff like that. And we don't mean it. And then when the Lord shows up, we feel like we have to stick to our agendas. And, and I would so much rather what's happening right now happen instead of a list of three or four more songs or instead of something that's been prepared. And, and this is what we are fighting for here in this church. Okay. The hardest thing, I'll be honest, the hardest thing about planting a church is that I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, but the hardest thing is that we want to do what we've always been used to. And whether it's me or whether it's every new person that walks in the door, and I love when new people walk in the door, but the hardest thing is, is that we want to do the paradigm in which we came from. And so when the Lord shows up, we have to be okay with it. Okay, we have to be okay with it. It's illegal to sing a song like that and not mean it. Okay. So, Jesus, I just bless what you're doing in this house. I pray for more interruptions. And, uh, and Lord, it will be in order. And if it's out of order, Lord, we will put it in order real quick. I just, I, I, I covenant with you that I'll put it in order if it's out. But we give you permission to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, Lord. And so we just bless you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing on Bob and Jamie. And the girls right now. Yeah, thank you for freedom. Amen. And I, I just, again, I just bless them, Lord, with a, with a spirit without measure, John 3.34, Lord. I bless them, Lord, to fulfill their destiny, to fulfill their calling. Yeah. And I, desti- I, I bless them with freedom to be who you've called them to be and not what the standards of the world say they have to be, Jesus. Yeah. It's in your name. Amen. Yeah. Come on, let's give Jesus praise, right? Hallelujah. <laughs> like, we have spent the last two services, Friday night and this morning, and literally, I think, in the cloud. Uh, Friday night was just off the hook, amazing. I just said off the hook. I don't know. I don't even talk like that. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Huh? It's because I'm going to teen camp. Yes. Come on. Man. It's been such a great month. Um, such a great month. Brett, it's been an honor again. We honored you Friday, but it's been an honor having you with us. And um, I, have, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you as an intern. And, um, and I can't help but think say this, I said this about the rights when you all was on the road, like every time you experience victory, like I'm like, I get a revel in a little bit, you know, because we've sent, <laughs> but I, I feel that way that uh, I can't help but think that we're not the only ones responsible, but as you are out there ministering and seeing fruit happen, that we get to celebrate in that as well. So, yeah, amen. Amen.
You can pray for our teens this week. You can pray for me. Um, well, two things. We're going to take a love offering uh, in addition because we're trying to raise the cost uh, to cover the cost for our teens to go to youth camp. And I believe we're pretty close, but uh, we need a little more help. But you can pray for them that, like, I'll be honest, like, I don't want them to go to youth camp if they're just going to go and play games. I'm sorry. Because okay. uh, you could play games here at home. <laughs> and it'd be a lot less cheap, or a lot more cheap. We want you to go to camp and have an encounter with the Lord. Yeah. And we want you to come back and be on fire yeah. to such a degree that it actually raises the temperature of the church. Yeah. Okay, and then we want you when you go into school this year to be on fire for Jesus and not have to hide it and feel like you're an undercover Christian. And so that's what I'm praying for you all for. And uh, whatever that looks like, that looks like. So I, we're going to have fun. We're going to play games. We got two rules. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you all. So we got the teens two rules. April's rolling her eyes. I'm going to say it anyway. You're in my little car. You're in my little car. <laughs> There is no farting and no burping in my car. That's the rule. So no one laughs. I think it's hilarious, but it's true. Uh, but anyway, we're going to have a great time. <laughs> I'm an idiot. All right. Help me, Jesus. So we've been talking. I'm going to think I'm going to wrap this up today. We've been talking about the idea of inheritance, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. And the premise of this series has been Luke 15, 31. It's the story of the redeemed heir, not the prodigal son. But in Luke 15, 31, the elder brother is in there, and the elder brother in the story, he gets mad because his brother came home, and the father in the story celebrating the redeemed heir. And... In 1531, 1530, the son's like, you know, you've never even given me a fattened calf, or I mean a killed goat. You haven't even given me a goat, let alone a fattened calf. And the father speaks to the son and says, son, you've always been with me. Everything that I have is yours. And that's such a significant verse. Um, I really do believe it because it, it signifies so many things. It, it signifies an orphan mentality. In, in which like, we don't think we deserve the promises of God even though we are a son or a daughter of God. And then it also, I believe, represents a spirit of religion which thinks that why can't God bless me to the degree that he's blessing someone else? And that's, that's just a spirit of jealousy. It's straight from the pits of hell. And, and uh, the whole premise has been, at least I hope has been, that as sons and daughters, we have an inheritance. And... And yes, there is an inheritance when we die and go to heaven, and which really does such a poor articulation because if you've given your life to Jesus, your body may give away, but you're never going to die. You're going to live forever. Okay? But you don't have to wait to receive heaven. You can actually experience it right here and right now. And, and so that's, that's the whole premise. And so we've been given this. And then we've talked about what is it in First Corinthians or Second Corinthians one twenty says for as many as the promises of God they are a yes and amen in Christ Jesus and so there's an estimated three to seven thousand promises in the Word of God 
And, and if they're a yes and amen through Christ Jesus, that means on the low end, you have 3,000 promises from God. On the high end, which is where I like to look at, right, is you have 7,000 promises from God, and each one of them are a yes and amen through Christ Jesus, which means that, that you don't have to walk around like an orphan. You don't have to walk around as a pauper, right? You're actually a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God, which means that you have this wonderful inheritance. And it, I tell you what, it just flat ticks me off. Like, I can't stand this mindset. And, and I'm not a real, like, I'll, I'll preach truth. I'm going to preach truth, okay? But I'm not going to be a mean guy to my congregation. But I will correct you if you walk, oh, woe is me. That's just, you know, woe is me. I'm going to eat worms. And woe is me. Life is terrible. Life is awful. No, it's not. Let's start speaking out and declaring the promises of God. Let's believe that they're for us, and let's live this stuff out. Amen. So what is the one thing that we've really, I feel like this. I was praying this morning. I'm like, God, I, I don't know what to share. Like, I'll be honest. Like, it's like this morning, like, Jesus, I may have to go up and say I don't have anything today. Because, I, one, I don't want to preach if I don't have something to give. Because I want to give you something I believe he's telling me to say rather than something I think I need to say. I'm like, Lord, we've been talking about inheritance, and what are we inheriting? And what are we inheriting? Where are we at as a church? And all these things. And I felt like the Lord said, you are beginning to inherit revival. I've preached on revival for a year and a half now, but you're actually beginning to inherit it. And, and so I want to kind of just run through that really quickly. And this will be the most probably all over the place message I've probably ever preached, but I, I just really feel like this is what the Lord is doing. Like what we saw Friday night, a totally unscripted service in which, by the way, it, this is really funny. Like I told Logan, Logan's like, well, what do I do for worship? And I was like, plan for at least an hour's worth of worship. So Logan comes prepared with 11 songs to sing Friday night and to lead us in. You know how many we did? We did two. <laughs> But we worship, in that moment, but the service was almost two hours long. The Lord was here. And then we get a moment that just kind of interrupted everything, which was beautiful, but we just got to pray over the radics. That's a seed of revival is what that is. I want you to understand that. See, we're inheriting revival. And, and I'm going to read this verse. It's like in, in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, John the Baptist, he, he's, he's thrown in prison. And verse 2, it says, Now when John was in prison, heard the works of Christ. Heard the works. He, he heard about everything that was happening around Jesus. What would it look like if people in our city begin to hear what's happening around the lives of our people, right? And, and I don't mean just our church, but what would it look like if it's like, well, well if, if we're at our day-to-day job and someone heard every time they walk into the room, people's spirits start to lift, right? They start to feel encouraged. Or what would it look like if they're like, man, every time that I go to Heine Brothers, that signs and wonders and miracles begin to break out every time we walk into the coffee shop. What if people begin to hear these things, right? That's what's going on. So he sent word by his disciples and said to them, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And Jesus answered and said to them, go report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, 
The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Right here, I love this. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. <laughs> when he shows up, we can't get offended, by the way. We give up that right. All right. So here's where we are. And I started just listening to some bullet points this morning. Like, this is what the Lord's done just even over the last month. So, like, this past week, April and I were talking, and it was like the Lord has shown us some stuff. And where we believe the Lord is taking us as a church and, and, and we've been praying about what God's going to do. And, and like he, some of it seems really far off. But then it's like the Lord has done a whole lot the last month as well. So it's like if he can do that much in a month, how much could he do in 12 months? All right. We've been growing. Truthfully, we've been. And, and again, I'll just say it. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to apologize for nothing. We're, we're growing numerically. Just Friday night, we saw someone recommit their life to Jesus in the middle of the service. Like, I mean, literally just come up here and start to confess sin openly, which I, I, that doesn't happen very often in church settings because churches tend to be the most pretentious place on the earth where everyone wears a mask and says, I'm fine and dandy and, and everything's falling apart on the inside. But he stood up and then he just starts to cry out and say, Jesus, save me. That's pretty neat. Over the last eight weeks, we've had three people get baptized. I mean, three people baptized. That's so cool. And then we get to do it out on the parking lot, which I absolutely, absolutely love. Right? <laughs> and then we just had one Friday night ask me, uh, uh, what, how can I get baptized? And, and uh, so we're going to start that process as well and talk to them about that. So that'd be four. We have some others I believe we're supposed to, and, and the Lord's helping with that. Uh, we've seen people get healed, and, and then uh, we just poof, had this opportunity to expand our footprint and, uh, in the shopping center, and we've told the story about that, but, uh, and we've actually we've signed the lease, and we're praying that you know, by some miracle we can get everything done back there, and it will get done, and it's just going to be this amazing thing. And By the way, we have 3,000 total square feet right now. By the time it's all said and done, we'll have 6,900 square feet. And so it's really cool, which gives us the ability to do really great kids men, really great teen ministry, and gives us the ability to do conferences and all kinds of types of stuff here in this setting and not have to leave for at least the next five years. And so the Lord is really unique. Like when we first moved in here, I thought that where Ace Hardware is is where we were supposed to be. And it's like, and because it said save a lot. And so I thought that was a prophetic word that we're going to save a lot of people, right? <laughs> That's what I thought. And with the square footage that was over there, and for the price they wanted, there was no possible way we could afford it. And then what we have now is almost as much as over there and substantially less cost-wise. And so the Lord's just done this amazing, amazing thing. So we're seeing things happen, Right. We saw a video produced by Jeremy this morning. That was absolutely amazing. Yes. I appreciate you giving the Titanic shot on there too, by the way. <laughs> but so the Lord's sending people. The Lord's sending. Oh, he's just doing all kinds of really neat stuff. And, and I say that because that's the beginnings of revival. And we say we, what we tend to think is that revival is great big. And it is big, but it always starts small. Every great thing starts small. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise the days of small beginnings, right? 
It's like everyone wants to be up here on the mountaintop or everyone wants to start off and have this great big facility, all these great big types of things, but it starts like this every single time. It starts, let me tell you what, it starts like September of 16. It's April and Ethan and I over here just painting and we're like, how in the world is this going to happen? It starts where two or three are gathered in his name and he's there and he starts to grow it. What we are starting to experience, and this is what I really believe the Lord's doing, and I may not preach, I may just speak more uh, uh, prophetically today, but, but, but what, I, what, I, what I see the Lord doing is the Lord is creating an atmosphere for hungry people. And we're going to see people saved and delivered, sanctified, set free. Like I believe we're already doing that, but I also believe the Lord is creating a safe haven for hungry Christians that don't feel like they have to sit like this and be on their best behavior in church. I love that our kids are running around like crazy, right, and waving flags and, and, and just being kids, and they're getting to be kids in the presence of the Lord, right? I looked at Logan. I looked at Logan as we're praying over the families, and I said, our kids get to be raised in this. I can't think of anything better than that. My kid gets to be raised in this. He's not going to be raised in a stiff religious setting. He's going to be raised in an atmosphere of freedom where we see people saved, healed, delivered, sanctified, set free. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're inheriting. And as we inherit it, guess what? When you receive an inheritance, what's your job? To steward it to such a degree that it's left in an increased position for those that you hand it off to. Which means that our kids get something better than we got to begin with. The things that we're doing right now is setting it up for those three little girls back here and this group of teenagers right here. And the ones who are coming, what it is going to do is setting it up to where they never know what a dead church feels like. It's setting it up to where they never know what religious infighting looks like. It's setting it up to where they never know uh, where we got to beg, borrow, and steal to pay the bills, right? It's, it's setting it up to where they get accustomed to seeing people hop up out of wheelchairs. It's getting it set up to where they see drunks walking off the street and mm, lose the taste for alcohol the rest of their life, right? It's, they're they're going to get accustomed to when they walk into the school that all their friends start to say stuff like, Yes, could you please pray for me? That's what we're fighting for. We're not fighting to have a good church service. Let me, we could go do that anywhere in the city. We could go do that. We could program it out. We could do demographic studies on what's best and what we need to do and how to have a slick, clean production. And I love and I appreciate that stuff, but I really don't care about that stuff. What I care about or care about is the presence of the Lord ministering in the hearts of the people. That's what we want. Good grief, Jesus, you're good. Let's phrase it like this. Do not despise a day of small beginnings. An acorn's not just an acorn. An acorn is a potential forest. Some of y'all need to hear that, by the way. A job isn't just a job. A job could be a potential career that leads to you ministering to the people that you're around on a day-to-day -day basis. You understand what I'm saying? It, Everything starts small. <laughs> Look at this, Matthew 13, 33. I love this verse. I've actually, 10 years of ministry, I've never preached on this verse until today. 
Never read it. Matthew 13, 33. It says, he spoke another parable to them, Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, <laughs> which a woman took and hid and three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Very short parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Kingdom, again, review, because <laughs> we love review. Kingdom, the king's domain, where the king rules, where the king reigns. When the king speaks, it happens. When the king decrees, it happens. What the king wishes, it happens. What the king wants, it happens right then and there, right? Why? Because with the king, it's, it's just, he's in charge. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Now, you guys know this because you're like Jesus' second cousin, most of you. But leaven would be like the stuff that's put in the flour that makes it expand. So in this thing, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman hid. Leaven is yeast or culture that continues to grow. Now, three, th three pecks of flour, say that Peter Piper, Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, what I'm thinking. <laughs> three pecks of a flour is essentially 16 pounds of flour, okay? So 16 pounds of flour, it's, not, it's going to feed some people, but not a whole lot of people. You put some leaven in it, and it can feed between 100 and 150 people. Now, leaven also is nearly invisible, which means that you put it into something, and you really can't see it working, but you can see the effects of it working. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Which means that we may not see it tangibly working, but the Lord's doing stuff in our hearts, in our lives. And as he's doing that, it starts to change things, and it actually begins to expand the boundaries of the kingdom. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, which is really, really amazing. Now think of this. And it says until it was all leavened. So she put this leaven, this unseen thing, turns the 16 pounds of flour into something that can feed 150 people. And so much leaven was put in it that it all became leaven, which means it all became fruitful and all began to increase. What would it look like? <laughs> what would it look like if each one of us got so stuffed and filled with the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day -day life that he just begin to well up inside of you and everywhere you go, everywhere you go, the kingdom begins to increase and expand and you start to see God move in your day-to-day -day life, not just when we walk into this building. What would it look like if we get so filled with him? It, I, it, what, it, what it is, is it's the leaven of the kingdom and, and I say the leaven of the kingdom, now think of it like this. We're not called just to grow a church. We want to grow a church. We're called to change a city. How does that happen? The leaven of the kingdom. Which would look something like this. It means that, like my favorite coffee shop, I go in there, they call me pastor now. They've never stepped foot in this place, but they call me pastor, and I get to pray for them. That's the leaven of the kingdom growing. It would look like you praying for coworkers. It would look like you praying for a homeless person. It would look like us getting so stuffed and filled with the Holy Spirit that we actually begin to gain influence with city leaders, right? Where then it's not like they're making all kinds of crazy laws and government and all these types of things, but maybe, just maybe, they would begin to make decisions that went around... <laughs> That, that were based on biblical principles yeah, 
because they begin to get influenced. Believe in separation of the church and state. I understand that thought. But what if the church became so filled with the presence of God that there was no separation? And it's not because we're trying to force stuff down people's throats, but they had no other option because they saw the goodness of God in their day-to-day life. (laughs) We've been given a little bit of leaven here. This is 5045 Preston Highway. That side is 5053 Preston Highway, and back behind us is 1209 Preston Highway. <laughs> what would it look like if that little bit of leaven begins to... You with me? So what do we do with this? <laughs> A few weeks ago, we were in a church service, and... Uh, we were here, and, and, and Logan looked at me. I'm over here, and Logan looks at me like, what do we do next? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do. Let's just wait right here, and that's really what we did. We just waited. And, uh, but what do we do with revival? What do we do with the little bit of leaven we've been given? Well, we steward it. We do the best with it that we can. I mean, now, it's not a workspace thing, but we just need to trust God with it, but we still have a responsibility to do the absolute best we can, okay? And so what do we do with revival? We steward it for increase because, again, I, I, like, I love what God's doing, but we have, a, I believe, a mandate to win a city and win a region, right? We, we believe this. This is why we're praying and believing that the property in Crestwood's going to sell. Why? So that we can... Further the kingdom here in the Louisville metro area by start starting other word and spirit Nazarene churches. What's word and I say word and spirit? What's word and spirit? It means that we believe what the Bible says, and when we believe the Holy Spirit is real and he actually still moves. Okay? And so we need that. So the parable of talents is in Matthew. Oh man. Matthew 25, I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of it, but Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of talents. Verse 14, it says, it's just like a man about to go on a journey. He was called, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. It's a very humbling verse, by the way, to his own ability. It's like sometimes, what if the Lord only gives me a little bit because of my own ability? That's fine. Let's steward that and watch what he does with it. Well, he gives someone down the street a lot more. That's okay. It's really okay. Let's steward what he gave us. So they take it, and the one who got five, he actually turns it and invests it, and he gets five more. And the one who got two takes it and invests it. He gets two more. And the one who got one took it and buried it and didn't get any return for it. And then you look already to verse 29. Matthew 25, it says, For everyone who has, more shall be given. And he, who, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, will be taken away. So, so here's the principle. The Lord is beginning to do something. And especially, again, I feel like it's just been this uh, uh, increase over the last four to six weeks, four to eight weeks, whatever it is. And whatever the Lord is doing, it's up to us to take care of it, to protect it, 
to steward it. It's almost like it's your child in, in the sense that you've got to protect it, make sure it's healthy, do the right things, and, and, and use it so that it continues to grow and continues to increase. Why? Well, verse 29 gives us the reason why we need to do that. Because the Lord says if you steward it well, he actually begins to trust you with more. And if you do not steward it well, what you do have, he's like, it's going to die. We can't afford to let this die. And now the Lord's plans will not be thwarted, which means that I think what the Lord's doing here, be careful how I say this, what the Lord's doing here, he probably has wanted to do for a very long time. And there's probably been some other really great churches where the Lord started doing this. And something happened, and it wasn't stewarded, and it stopped. And so the Lord's like, well, these guys are starting to believe and trust me. Maybe I'm going, to, I'm going to give them the ball and see what they do with it. And I just don't want to do anything that stops it. I don't want to do anything that stops it. Because I want to see him move here. Generous. And he's going to move in all the churches in the city. I want to believe that. But what he's given us, I don't want to squander it. And like what he's doing is a big deal. What he's doing is a big deal. Now it's easy to look around sometimes we think, ah, you can't do all these things that we do. But what he's doing is a big deal. Kids running up here and waving the flags, that's a big deal means they're not going to be holding on for dear life in the presence of the Lord shows up. A few weeks ago, I loved it, by the way, and she's not here, but I'll go ahead and say a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, I saw Judy was back here where Jeff said, Judy's back here waving it during worship, and it was just this beautiful thing. <laughs> I just love it, right? we got to steward it. Steward it well. We, we talk about stewardship with our money and finances stuff. It's like, you know, it's like you, if you, we know to take care of the stuff we have. But it's the same thing with what the Lord's doing here. We take care of it. We guard it. We protect it. We nurture it. We can, and, and, like, how do you guard, protect, nurture? Well, when we come here, we worship like no one's watching <laughs> except for Jesus. If that's sitting, that's sitting. If that's standing, that's sitting. If that's getting on your face, then that's getting on your face. And then when you're at home, you pray. Say, God, fill my pastor this week. Fill my pastor this week. Give him a fresh word so that he can share with us, right? Or pray for his wife and pray for his son. Pray for the people that have moved here. Pray, Lord. I pray, God, that when people walk into this space, they experience your presence this week, Jesus. It's only Monday, but would you go ahead and begin to build up the pressure? And that way it just erupts when people get here. You understand what I'm saying? And like, just start to cry out throughout the week. And I've wanted to say before... I'm not going to say that. But I'm not. Just steward it, guard it, protect it, nurture it. And when the Lord shows up, let's just go with it, man. Let's go with it. I mean, it is a big deal. It's all right. Hmm. Oh, this is, this is good. Now, I say all that. The propensity is to say we don't have very much. 
It's true, we kind of don't. <laughs> but we're not operating out of, Melissa said, we're not operating out of poverty mindset. Because he says that he came, John 10, 10, that we may have life and have it abundantly, Amen. right? All right, so, so we're not operating out of lack. We're out actually operating with how much he has. Now, I want to look at these two passages, and I want to show you just a really interesting principle right here. Oh, if you will, you can look at Matthew 15 and Matthew 14. And they're not on the screen because they're not on the screen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want you to look at Matthew. Let's look at Matthew 15 first, verses 32 through 39. This is really fascinating to me. And I've, I've taught out of John 6, which is one of the same stories before. But Matthew 15, 32 through 39. It's really fascinating. Um, I'll just read it. I got a minute. It says, and Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I did not want to send them away hungry for they may faint on the way. The disciples said to him, where will we get so many loaves in this desolate place to satisfy such a large crowd, such a large crowd, said, Lord. <laughs> and, Jesus, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And right here, this is so significant, verse 34. He said, we have seven loaves of bread and a few small fish, which is two. And directed the people, sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and giving thanks, he broke them. Started giving thanks, or giving them to the disciples, and they gave them to the people. They all ate and they were satisfied. They picked up what was left over and broken, seven baskets full. Right here. So Jesus, in this story, feeds 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and two fish. All right, now look at Matthew 14. This is so cool. Verses 13 through 21. <laughs> Same Jesus, different story. People following them out in the wilderness, and Jesus actually cares enough to meet their physical needs as well as their spiritual need. All right. Let's look here. Same type of thing. Look at verse 17. Jesus said, they do not need to go, for 16, he says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. 18, Jesus said, bring them here to me, ordering the people to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, breaking the loaves. He gave them to the disciples and gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over and broken. There were 12, 12 full baskets. So here's what's fascinating to me. Is that Jesus fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and two fish. Which is absolutely incredible, Right? And I've joked about this stuff before, like I've been at the end of a line at a Nazarene potluck, and you see how much people eat, right? So <laughs> you just do. So he fed these people. I know it wouldn't feed them. But he fed, again, 4,000 people with seven loaves and two fish. And one chapter before, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. What's so fascinating? 
he actually fed more people with less. Two different instances, and he fed, and both of them were miraculous, and both of them were absolutely mind-boggling when you think about it. But he fed more people with less. I think that's a really important kingdom principle. Watch that significant. <laughs> because he does more with less resources. Which means that we look around. <laughs> it's like, what do we do, God? You've called us to win a city. And it's like, charge the 50 or so people that are affiliated with this church right now, right? It's like, <laughs> like it, it seems almost laughable. But what if God really does love using little resources to do something incredible, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, seriously, could you imagine? Like John 6 tells the same story, by the way. And, and it says that they give to as, it says, well, first of all, we talk about how they get seated. But it says they gave to many as who were seated. What would it look like if this little group of people right here begins to meet every single need that's in the city because the Holy Spirit blows through them. Well, I don't have any resources. Well, get over it because we have the Holy Spirit, which is the only resource that we actually need in the first place. Stop operating out of the mindset we do not have this and start operating with the mindset of the one who has you and wants to move through you and blow through you. Well, we don't have as much as this church. Who cares? If Jesus can feed, I mean, my goodness, if Jesus can feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, my goodness, what can we do with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, right? I, I just, again, we're not operating in lack. We are, <laughs> we, we need to begin operating under the, under, not the opinion and not not even, I think it's more than a mindset. I actually think it's just a way of life. We need to begin to operate with a way of life that we really do believe that all things are possible. And that's how we steward that revival well. So you steward it, man. There's just belief. Oh, man, Jesus. <laughs> you did a whole lot with a whole little. What could you do with the little that we have? It was really cool is in all these stories that it was one person's obedience that actually led to the breakthrough of many, by the way. Because both instances, like John 6, and I'm reading from John, I know John 6 almost by heart, but John 6, this section, it says that there was a young lad that gave them the bread and the fish. Meaning that he had to, he had to have the faith that what he had Jesus could take and multiply for the, for the many. Do we have the type of faith that what you have as an individual that Jesus could use to minister to many? Do we have the type of faith that in this space, this company of believers, that what we have among us that Jesus could take? And if we just say here, it's not much, Jesus, <laughs> but you just go ahead and take it. And I'm just going to sit back and go and wait to see what you do. Do we have that kind? I think we do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. 